Welcome to our first Emerging Cricket Podcast Men's T20 World Cup Team Preview Special. Coming up, we discuss Namibia and their chances at the tournament. A reminder that we're still releasing the weekly show wherever you are listening to the pod, so don't miss those, and our content continues to roll on EmergingCricket.com. Finally, join the many who have joined us on Patreon. From as little as $2 a month, you can help us grow the game outside its traditional centres. For more, log on to Patreon.com forward slash Emerging Cricket. But for now, enjoy our first World Cup Team Preview. Hello and welcome to our special T20 World Cup team preview show. Today we are talking all about Namibia and their campaign as we do go through all six qualifying teams for the upcoming tournament. And with me to discuss Namibia, another regular at the EC pod, Nick Skinner. Nick, how are you? Well, I'm uh, nostalgic for uh, my uh, very long trip to Namibia and uh, all the all the great fun we had in Vintook together. But uh, other than that, I'm, I'm good. We might be allowed out of the country soon, so that's that's something. It has been good to reminisce, and also, too, before I forget, if you haven't listened to Nick's series on Namibia's 2003 World Cup campaign, he's done a four-part series on it. Absolutely loved it from the start to finish, going through their qualification and their six matches, and then the legacy afterwards, which was a really important show, I think, to kind of cap everything off. I really enjoyed it, Nick. I'm sure everyone out there enjoyed it too. Let's have a look at this Namibian team making a return of sorts in World Cup cricket for their country. It's been 18 years since Namibia have been represented at a Cricket World Cup, albeit this time in the T20 format. Quick look at their group. They're in Group A, so they'll take on Sri Lanka in Abu Dhabi on the 18th of October, the Netherlands in Abu Dhabi on the 20th of October, and then Ireland to finish off in Sharjah on the 22nd of October. I think the general consensus from a lot of people in the emerging community has been that it's almost a bit harsh for Namibia to be thrown in this group. It's probably the stronger of the two groups, and had they been in Group B, they would have been of a better chance to qualify. But let's go back a little bit further and discuss their qualification campaign, Nick, because they did get off to a rocky start. It looked very early, like it might be a straight set exit for Herrera Rasmus's men. They managed to, to come back after a couple of early defeats and, and romp home in the end. They really did find that momentum at the right time. Yeah, they um, lost a couple. They they got Tendo Skarted uh, against the Netherlands. <laughs> they bowled quite well, actually, but uh, Tendo hit, I think, 60 off about 40 balls and, and got the Netherlands up to a good total. And then the Dutch pace attack uh, just did for the Namibians, which that'll be something we can kind of talk about as we look at their prospects. But um, yeah, then against PNG, Tony Euro had a one of his one of his innings where he just smashes them all over the place. PNG posted 190-odd and, and Namibia just whatever in the chase. But then after that, they won five on the trot. And um, the, But an interesting point was that they were batting first in four out of five of those games that they won. And the the game where they were chasing was against Bermuda, who I, th- I think you know, most people would agree were, were the weakest team at the qualifier. So yeah, that, that game against Scotland where they were in a bit of trouble and then JJ Smith hit, I think, about 30 or 40 off not very many deliveries and, and got them up to a, a good total. Uh, and that sort of changed the momentum. They were, they were fiddling around a bit with their batting order and getting sort of a bit cute with, you know, Christy Villian coming in at three and some, some strange stuff like that uh, in the first couple of games. And so they just seemed a bit, I don't know, scattered or jittery. They've been strong contenders in all of the uh, qualifiers they've played at. And so maybe, maybe they were just nervous of uh, choking again. But yeah, after that, they, they looked very strong. 
um, in in the back end and you know peaked at the right time. I guess as they say, they they thrashed Oman to qualify, and and here we are. They had to do it somewhat the hard way. They finished third in their group, so they had to play against second on the other side of the group being Oman. So that crossover fixture was quite difficult. But then, as you say, qualified through that win and lost to, to P&G again in the semi-final of the tournament. Not that it really mattered in the grand scheme of things. And yeah, they shifted and, and shuffled a lot in the early stages of that tournament. They couldn't quite find the balance early. And to actually bring it forward to the tournament now starting... It's almost a reassessment of how they are going to balance that team because they've lost JP Kotzer and Zhivago Gronwald both retiring. Two players that realistically probably would have made the first 11 quite possibly at this tournament. So looking at it now and talking about the lead up for them, they have hosted a number of teams in Namibia and they have really passed every test as we have mentioned so far. They've hosted Uganda, South Africa emerging team and a Zimbabwe emerging team. And they beat everyone that was in front of them, Nick. Yeah, very comfortably, in fact. Um, and, and as well, a couple of uh, South African domestic teams, which they, they played some warm-up series against, uh, including a number of South African international players. So they weren't you know, completely under strength sides either. So, um, yeah, they've looked very good at home uh, in Vintuk. They know how to win there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much they transfer that across to the UAE and um, whether they've sort of... It's it's hard to you know when when you can't necessarily you know move around as easily due to certain virus. It's hard to get in the practice on on all different strips and different kind of conditions. So yes, they've played a lot at home and yes, they've looked very good there. But the question will be once they come up against some quality spin bowling in the UAE, you know, are, are they going to be able to handle it? And that's kind of the it, it you know no fault of their own, but you know beating. South African and Zimbabwean and you know Ugandan teams at home is not the same as as playing against uh, you know Sri Lanka and Ireland and the Netherlands in the UAE. Looking at the squad now, and as we mentioned, JP Kotzer and Zhivago Gronvold not in the squad. Just to quickly run through, of, whole, of course, Herat Erasmus, captain, will probably bat at four. JJ Smith, the vice-captain, bowling all-rounder, but will probably bat in the middle order as well. Jan Freilink, Carl Birkenstock, Ben Shikongo, Bernard Schultz, Nicole Lofty, Eaton, Craig Williams, Michael Van Lingen, Stephen Bard, Ruben Trumpelman, Zane Green, David Visa, Picky France, Michel Dupree, Mauritius and Gupita is a reserve player. If we were to look at a key player, Player, I think it's pretty obvious that Erasmus will play a key part in this campaign. There are a couple of players as well who will play big parts, JJ Smith being one of them. But when you look at Herat Erasmus, and we've raved about him a number of times and for a number of years now on the show, if he's not the top player or the top batter in associate cricket, he'd have to be in the top five. And you would think that by that logic alone and with his leadership and even with his bowling as well, Nick, he's probably the key player of this outfit. For sure. And I mean, he was player of the tournament at the qualifier, so that should indicate how important he was. And the thing with Erasmus is he he's happy to sort of hang back or come in. And he's very flexible with the batting order. So he'll sort of just slot in wherever he's needed. And he's got the flexibility in his game to both accelerate and kind of hold things together if they lose a few early wickets. And, and he's... Obviously, the the headline, uh, the spine of the batting order, I guess, um, his his bowling. Yeah, I mean, in the domestic series they played, he actually bowled quite a lot and went at a, a decent economy rate of uh, 6.3 um, and picked up a number of wickets, which, you know, he, he looks 
a lot easier to handle than he seems to end up being. I, I don't know how he manages to keep getting these wickets, but he, he just does. And I, I don't know if, if batters keep underestimating him or, or if he's just a bit craftier than he looks, but um, he's going to be a, an option. But they have a lot of spin options, actually. But yeah, with the bat, he's going to be holding the whole thing together, I think. We'll talk about those spin options and bowling options in a minute, but if we were to look at, say, players to watch as well around this group, I think JJ Smith could have a breakout tournament in terms of his legacy or his reputation on a on a global scale. I think everyone in the associate world understands just how good he is, but this might be the opportunity for him to really show it in front of the so-called full member hedge money, perhaps. But to, to bring it around, and, and David Visa is is the X factor in a way in that he's been not quite parachuted into the team, but he qualifies through his dad. He hasn't played international cricket in five years since he left the South African system. It looks as if he's going to start straight away. Where they fit him is an interesting one, Nick. We've talked about it a couple of times already. He almost plays a similar role with the bat as someone like JJ, so they might have to tinker with things a little bit there. But with the ball and, and with a domination of left arm seam that they already have it's good to kind of counteract that with some balance of, of a right armor as well he might play a bigger role with the ball than with the bat here yeah visa's interesting because he as you said he, he's a similar sort of operator to jj smith in in that he comes down late in the innings and just hits a few sixes and the, the thing with jj smith though is i think if they could you know if they wanted to they could bump him up to five because he likes to get set and just sort of give himself an over or two to to get a look and then really start going so if you know, if they wanted to have Smith one higher at five, maybe, and then have Visa floating at a, at a sort of six and you know at, coming in at the back end, that could potentially work. But yeah, looking at the the Namibian bowling lineup, they've got a lot of left armers, which is quite interesting. In you know, Smith's left arm, Jan Freilink left armer, Ruben Trompelman left armer. So having you know, it's not too often that right arm seam is the variety option, but um, yeah, that, so Visa will just offer something that's a little bit, you know, just slightly different angle and obviously played a lot of franchise T20, so he's, you know, pretty crafty operator with, you know, his variations and, and slow balls and whatnot. So I think he'll slot in there. I mean, Erasmus as a captain, this is another you know, thing in in how important he is to this team. He's, he's very dynamic in that he often... You know, he switches up the bowling order. He mixes it up. He'll he'll bowl himself for one over to slip and you know get one past and uh, bring in people for one over spells. Or, or you know, he's he's very creative with what he does with his fields as well. So I think his juggling of the bowling will be quite interesting. That'll be one to watch in terms of who does he bowl more or does he just sort of have six or seven guys bowling two or three overs each or you know so that that's going to be a, a, an ongoing through line. But um yeah having. Visa does actually provide a bit more flexibility with their bowling attack. It would be remiss of us not to yeah, mention a couple of players who could well play a bigger part in this Namibian team than we have seen in previous times. And Picky France is, is one that UV marked as, as someone that for a long time was regarded more of as a, as a batting all-rounder and bowled a little bit with his kind of Aldi version of Harbhajan Singh offspin, <laughs> which is lovely to watch. It's one of the best bowling actions in the associate world. Make no mistake about that. But he's not quite a T20 bat and he's almost reinvented himself as a spin bowler. But another young player who you rightfully mentioned Nicole Lofty Eaton 21 years of age and with the opportunities could well find himself in the first 11 bowls this dynamic quick Rashid Khan like leg spin which is so in vogue at the moment and could be a deadly weapon if he manages to get it right and Erasmus can can bank on it 
if he has to. There are plenty of people who can stand up and really make themselves known in this Namibian team too. Even someone like Zane Green who will keep, but looks to be opening the batting as well. Yeah, Green was in really good form over their home series. He So over, over all the games against South Africa emerging, Zimbabwe emerging, Uganda, etc., he, he hit 432 runs at an average of 43.2 and a strike rate of 151. So he's... He just goes from ball one and um, he doesn't waste time, which is very important in T20 cricket. You know, you've, you've got guys who can, can go hard, but they might suck up a few deliveries if, if they don't fire. But yeah, Green, he either goes or he doesn't. And, and that's really important. Um, yeah, yeah, France, I, 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 it's quite funny that he's turned into this kind of um, almost like a utility player. I don't know if that's a, a thing in cricket as much as, uh, as footy, but he's expanded his game because... You know, back in the day, he he played in the multi-day format for Namibia, and he was known as a very stodgy top-order batsman. He'd hit, you know, thirty off one hundred and fifty deliveries, and and just really blunt the attack. And he he, he had the nickname of the associate Chris Taveray. Um, <laughs> and and it's been quite funny to see him in the home series. He's he's kind of he still he's very technically correct, but he's just sort of been able to open his game up a bit and and he hits down the ground very effectively and, and through the offside and he he's a good runner between wickets as well. So he can hit it big down the ground, but he can also place it with that good technique and, and pick up the ones and twos and sort of scamper uh, some quick runs down the order. So he's he's kind of, he offers them a lot of flexibility in that he can sort of come in and do a job with a couple of overs left. Or, you know, maybe if they have lost, lost a clump of wickets, he could maybe stabilize things as well. But his bowling, yeah, he, he again, he's, he's sort of deceptive. Uh, he, he looks very slow and hittable, but he, he gets good good turn and he plays, you know, he's just very accurate. So I think he's going to be important. And as we say, we, you know, with these tracks in the Sheikh Zayed Stadium previously, you know, towards the back end of the qualifiers in 2019, uh, as a as a Canada fan, I was getting frustrated with with Navneet Delhi while the the captain not bowling enough spin. You know, I was thinking they should be bowling you know twelve fourteen overs of it just because the tracks were were really taking turn. And I, I think they probably won't be too much different this time. So uh, having a lot of spin options is very helpful. And of course, uh, we we all know uh, Bernard Schultz, the the left arm orthodox, um, very miserly bowler for Namibia. He he'll be holding out an end very effectively. But um, yeah, Lofty Eaton. Um, I think, you know, if he gets a few games and he gets going, he'll be another potential breakout star for Namibia. You know, he, he bowls that, as you said, Rashid style leg spin. He's got, you know, googlies and variations and, and all sorts of things. And he's the same with the bat. He's sort of oh, very uh, hyperactive is kind of the way I'll describe him <laughs> as, as a bat. He just, he always tries to, to smash it and reverse it and do ramps and scoops and hit it into next week he's just always trying to do something and if you can just kind of just you know give himself a ball or two to to get set and then and then go I think he could be very effective with the bat as well he he in his first game in the Namibian domestic franchise tournament the the Richelieu T20 he hit two centuries both unbeaten in in the same day so that was that was a hell of an entrance and he was up there uh, in the run charts as well in the second edition so he's able to go hard with the bat as well so uh, you know having him in that middle order if they want that extra spin option um, I think that could be a, a very effective uh, you know way of having you know getting some good value out of him and uh, Scholz, Lofty Eaton, Piquier France maybe <laughs> maybe a bit of Erasmus so you've got sort of 12 to 15 good overs of spin there if you need it. So I think, yeah, depending on how the tracks shake out, you know, Lofty Eaton could be a good option. 
Before we kind of look at some potential weaknesses and even make some predictions as to how Namibia are going to go, I think another player to probably note as someone who does a lot for them is Craig Williams. He can slide up and down the batting order where he needs to be played and utilized. He could well bat at three. He could well open in this team, depending on how things go. He might chime in with the ball as well. And he's definitely someone that will kind of keep things ticking over. And having somewhat of an elder statesman like Williams, Nicky, is kind of crucial in this whole campaign with a, a cool head and someone who's played in many pressure situations like this. It's it's good to know for Pierre Debrain that he has someone like that as well up his sleeve to kind of do several roles wherever he needs to sort of fit in. Yeah, as you say that, um, Namibia are playing a warm-up T20I against the UAE and um, he hit... 50-odd off, I think, about 35 deliveries. Um, so, handy effort there in, in the warm-up, and that's kind of what he'll do. He'll, he'll come in, as you say, probably three in this side. Um, I think Bard and uh, Green are, are nailed down as the opening combination there with Green going hard and Seven Bard a bit more sort of circumspect and, and playing that kind of support role, which he, he does so effectively in, in the one-days, but um, he, he, you know, transferring that to the T20. With so many big hitters, it's not necessarily a bad thing having someone who, who's a bit, a bit more stable uh, up the other end. But yeah, Williams at three, I think I like him there because he, he he's technically correct and, and he'll you know, he can take a bit of time to get set and then launch uh, we saw that with a couple of those uh, innings in the domestic competitions where he sort of played it you know around a run a ball and then just started hitting sixes at will towards the back end and so I think having him there provides a bit of cover as well um, again if green goes out early then he can help rebuild so uh, yeah I like Williams a lot in that order because he's just has yeah that a lot of experience and and just you know, he'll, he'll know what to do uh, in the situation and he's played I think around 100 or more uh, T20 games for Namibia already. So I think he's, he's been playing for about 15 years now or maybe even longer. So um, yeah, a lot of experience, a lot of just, just knowing when to when to go, when to you know, accumulate, when to accelerate, um, which some of the younger guys in this team, and I think Namibia is one of the youngest teams at the tournament in terms of average age. As you say, having an elder statesman there to, to guide the younger guys is, is helpful. And I just, I don't, See him bowling much. He bowled, I think, about seven overs in all the T20 games they played uh, at home over the last season. So, you know, maybe if someone's having a bad day, he'll chip in and, and sort of finish their quota. And um, he, he can do a job with that. But at, at probably towards the twilight of his career, he's, he's switched more to just being a pure batter. Weaknesses. Not a whole lot of weaknesses in this team, Nick. I, I think we can say this is probably the strongest Namibian team that's ever been put out, especially at this level. And looking at it, you know, they have covered a lot of bases. I think with Visa in now too, they did look previously a little bit one-dimensional with their pace attack, a lot of them being left-handers, left-armers. But with the addition of Visa, it does look a little bit stronger. But you've touched on it here in our notes. Batting against spin on the slower tracks might be something that brings them undone. Yeah, Erasmus is going to have to have a good day against Sri Lanka, I think, um, especially, but you know, even the Dutch and, and you know, even the Irish have a couple of decent spin options. So uh, it, it's it's probably a question mark. As, as I said earlier, they've played a lot at home and, and they've looked pretty impressive, but just, you know, in the, the, the tracks at the Sheikh Zayed, they're probably tougher than than the ones that Vin took at home, and and you know, yeah, Erasmus best technique against spin um, out of out of all the batters uh, in Namibia that I've seen. But we'll see how that shakes out. I think the other concern 
you, you touched on the, the quick bowling lineup being a bit one-dimensional. I'd, I'd push back on that a little there. Yeah, yes, they have a lot of left armers, but they all do slightly different things. You know, JJ Smith hits that sort of back of a length, um, gets a bit of cut, makes it a slightly awkward um, length for, for the batters to, to hit through, um, sort of hitting the, the splice of the bat. Um, Trumpelman is, is an actual proper quick bowler. You know, he, he gets decent heat and, and he has a really tough bouncer and he's quite accurate as well at the death, which again, you know, if they're trying to defend totals, that's that's going to be really useful. Jan Freilink, he's, he's a swing bowler and if he can get it moving through the air, he'll be a real threat. He's a bit hittable though. You know, if, if it doesn't swing early, you know, he's, he's not too sharp. So, you know, if, if there's no movement, then he, then he's a bit kind of... Um, yeah, that they'll they'll hit through that line pretty effectively. Um, yeah, Visa again. I, I think I mentioned he has a lot of you know tricks in his bag of uh, you know T Twenty bowling, and that'll that'll put them in good stead. You know, so I think their pace attack is it is there are a lot of left armers, which is unusual, but th- there's enough variety in there that I, I think it's okay. Um, and and as we said, they have quite a lot of of good spin options. Um, yeah, and and in terms of weaknesses, I guess. The, the main other concern that I would have other than spin bowling is the, their tendency to, to it's, it's, I would call it England syndrome, where they just keep going hard at, at everything. And, and, you know, because they do have guys all the way down the order who, who can hit and who can clear the rope, they, they'll just keep going and just burn through wickets. And, you know, they might put on 200 or they might get bowled out for 90. Um, and they just have that sort of unpredictability about them. Now, we'll put our necks on the line here, Nick. Uh, we've run through, I think, a consensus first 11 between the pair of us as to how they'll line up. And tentatively, I'll, I'll probably say this is our predicted 11, unless you have any qualms with this. Bard, Green, Williams, Erasmus, Lofty Eaton, potentially Van Lingen there. We're not too sure how that'll shake out. Visa and Smith in that middle death over batting role, depending on how they shift around. Jan Freilink, Ruben Trumpelman. Picky Yarfrance uh, as one spin option, and then Bernard Schultz is, is the main spinner. Unless you have any conjecture with that, Nick, I think we can get into predictions. As I said at the start, if this team was in Group B, I would have told you that I think they're going to go through. I just, I just think there's probably too many questions on the top order and maybe batting against spin for me. And I'm going to say that they'll finish third or, or miss out, uh, probably finishing third in this group behind either Sri Lanka in the Netherlands or Ireland in the Netherlands. You might be a little bit more optimistic than me though. Yeah, I think I think they'll I think they'll go through. I think they've got enough quality all the way, you know, up and down the order. Uh, but I mean, as we as we've been saying, this is a really tough group and <laughs> all of these games could go either way. Uh, I think against Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka probably favourites, I would say, um, especially as we said, those those questions against spin. There's some quality spinners in, in that side, which could trouble these guys. And even, you know, against Zimbabwe emerging, someone like Anselin Lovu was, you know, while everyone else was going, um, you know, over the fence at will, uh, and Lovu, the the um, the finger spinner for the Zimbabwean side there, was a lot more economical. So that, to me, indicates that, um, you know, quality spin is something that they probably uh, would would try and treat with a bit more respect. Although, you know, if you if you you bat out Hasaranga and then try and go against everyone else, you know, maybe they could they could make it up. But yeah, I think they're probably good enough to beat Ireland, and I reckon they'll uh, they'll avenge themselves against the Netherlands after losing in the qualifier a couple of years ago. Um, and then that just means 
if I mean if they beat Sri Lanka, then you know they're topping the group. And then, but if they win two and maybe lose against Sri Lanka, then it'll come down to possibly net run rate and, and all those fun uh, speculations. So yes. we'll, we'll see how we go. But I, I think Namibia will get over the line. I think this will be a real highlight of the tournament, even when we look back to it in its entirety and, and the Super 12 phase and the, and the finals as well. I think we'll look at this group and say this was a really good lead-in to the tournament for people who were kind of outside this associate bubble. Uh, I really do hope that they look at this Group A field of four and just think how competitive and how much parity there is amongst all of the teams. And again, I've tossed and turned over Group A so much, basically since the, the groups were redrawn, to the point where I've got no idea how that group in general shakes out. I think every combination between first to fourth could be one of four different teams. It's the beauty of this competition. It's the beauty of cricket. And it's the beauty now of this extra competition that we have even in the associate world where I don't think we've seen teams this professional, for a lack of a better term, from the associate world possibly ever just because the way that the game is now, it, it, it lends itself a little bit more to it. So to kind of wrap all of that up into one point, I'm really disappointed that I don't think they can get there. Uh, well, I think they can get there, but I just think that the way that it shakes out, they might just miss out. But it's it's not going to be an indication or a reflection on them. I think it'll be more about just holistically how tough that group is. Always a pleasure to talk cricket with you, Nick. And as I said, Namibia uh, make up part of Group A. Sri Lanka, October 18, the Netherlands, 20th of October, and Ireland on the 22nd of October. We're really looking forward to the Eagles taking flight once again, just like they did in 2003, Nick. And if you guys have not listened to Nick's four-part series on Namibia's 2003 campaign, I implore you to do that. But once again, Nick, thanks for joining me on this team preview of Namibia at the T20 World Cup. Pleasure, Bez. Going to be uh, very exciting watching them at, uh, you know, two in the morning or or whatever it is in our time. And let's not forget, Smith Smith can can hit. hit.